today we closed on a really awesome opportunity, investment opportunity. And I mean really awesome. And I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about kind of the profile or the story of this opportunity and how things went up and down, up and down, up and down throughout the ordeal of getting to the closing. In many ways, what am I about to tell you, the story of this deal is not uncommon to see in the world of real estate and has its own little kinks and quirks that are, we don't typically see in a real estate transaction. So let me start with telling you about this deal. We'll call it the Builder Leaseback in Birmingham, Alabama. So our agent sent us this uh, in, uh, the information about this investment opportunity around the mid or end of October 2021. The minute I saw this opportunity, I got very excited. According to what we know so far, this is what I call the once in a 10 year kind of an opportunity. And let me tell you a little bit about it. And I think we even have a, a podcast that I did originally around uh, about this transaction around the same time. I will put a link to the previous uh, episode about this transaction. But now that it closed, I want to tell you about, about it all together and what happened along the way. Just to kind of give you the, the background, this is a million dollar, a little bit over a million dollar home in a really good part of Metro Birmingham, Alabama, in a closed community, gated community, high-end community, with a lake, with a, a pool, a clubhouse, etc. I have personally been to this place back in October 20, beginning of October 2021, and I was blown away. And I have to admit that I get to travel and look at investment properties throughout the country for been doing it for about 20, almost 20 years. I have seen a lot of properties and I don't mean the ones that I'm looking at from my computer screen. I'm talking about looking, walking through in and out, up and down, you know, left and right, you know, hundreds, many hundreds of property or not, you know, probably thousands of properties that I've worked over my career. In a way, it's hard to get me excited. I do get excited. I do see beautiful houses. I am still getting excited, when, which is a good sign. But this was exceptional. The community was exceptional. It is a kind of a gated community, but it's kind of secluded, you know, sitting around a lake and, the, and, and kind of hills around hiding the community. So it's beautiful where it's located. It's beautiful where it's hidden, like a hidden valley kind of a community with the lake. The houses are gorgeous, gorgeous. So if you know Birmingham, Alabama, or if you even imagine, this is a community of a million dollar homes. The, my agent, you know, sends me the information, calls me up and says, Danny, you got to find something. This is an exceptional deal. So what is the deal here? This, the builder is selling a model home to an investor and going to list it back from the investor for a period of about a year 
maybe a year and a half. We have a set rent. The builder will also, and by the way, the builder during that period of time will use that model home as a model home to show and, you know, um, to show, you know, potential buyers what kind of finishes, what kind of upgrades, how the floor, line, uh, floor plan looks like, and maybe they're going to use it as sales office as well. So for those of you who are not familiar, in the U.S., many times we, when big builders are building a whole community, they're first building two, three, four homes, different models, to show prospective buyers, potential buyers, what, you know, the different floor plans that they have in the community and what kind of upgrades or things they can uh, have in their houses. Their goal is to get people excited and to have them not just buy the basic model, but also buy the upgrades. So typically a model home has all the bells and whistles. It's beautiful, it's nice, it's fully staged. Those houses are typically done you know, with, a lot, with, attention to, with a lot of attention to details because those are selling houses. Those are not just houses. In this case, the builder is selling this house for a bit over a million dollars in this community. And the, the idea behind this uh, deal is for an investor to buy it. The builder will pay for the HOA. Originally, the builder was supposed to pay for the property taxes. Um, no maintenance, basically, because the builder is taking care of the house because it's a showcase. It's a, it's a show off, I should say. And um, at the end of the term, the builder is going to repaint, clean, turn everything back to a normal functioning house and giving surrender, it's called surrender it back to the owner, the investor, and the investor can then go ahead and either rent it out or sell it. Our goal, or when we presented this deal to our you know, list of investor, investors, was to, um, to, to suggest it to sell it in a year to a year and a half from now for around 1.25 to 1.3 million. So this house, which is purchased a little bit over a million dollars, the goal is to sell it for $1.25 million in about, let's, let's call it, for the sake of this uh, uh, episode, 18 months from now, from closing. So far, so good. So that means an opportunity to basically do a flip, a long-term flip, about a 16-month flip, without, you know, um, without lifting any single you know, hammer or doing any type of repair. Now, important to understand, the house is already completed. So it's not a house to be built. It is ready. This builder is already using it. And the investor can take over immediately and start renting it back to the builder. That's why it's called a builder leaseback. Um, the, the, so... So right there, you can see this is really interesting. High-end property in a good area, in a very good area of metro of the metro. Very, you know, kind of high-end community um, and gated community. Um, and what we investigate and make sure what is the potential, how this deal, the whole idea behind this deal, is while it's rented from day one, and we don't need even we don't even need the property management. There's low listing fee because the seller is already occupying the property. 
because it's rented from day one and generating from day one, there's not even a need to repair anything. And by the way, the builder will also fix, maintain the property if something breaks. Um, because that's the, you know, this, the, this, you know, mainly what we want to make sure is how is the cash flow going to look like during the leaseback period for the next 18 months? And what are the chances of selling it for 1.25, 1.3 million, million in, a, in, a, um, in about 18 months? The first thing we find, you know, based on the, inform the gathering information is that this community has a waiting list of about almost 80 people that wanting to buy houses in this community as we speak. Now, it's important to say this is not a to-be-built community. This is an, it's a new community, but it's already established. When I was there in this community, unfortunately, I didn't go to see this house because at the time we didn't know it is coming up as, a, as an opportunity. But in this community, it's already occupied by only homeowners, there's no renters there, and with the waiting list for the next phase. The next phase, the builder, when they start selling soon, they're selling houses at somewhere around 1.25, 1.3. So the house we are buying for a million dollar, a similar model that the builder will start selling soon is gonna already be offered 1.25, maybe 1.3. And the house we are buying has a full finished you know, basement, livable, not just a basement, and an awesome man cave kind of a basement. I mean, really beautiful. The houses the builders, the builders building moving forward are very similar to this one, except one thing. They do not have a basement at all. No basement. So we have a product which is even of a greater value to a, to, a, to, a, to a homeowner versus a product that has a little bit um, um, inferior to the one we are in, lack of the basement. So what we are seeing is there is demand, there's uh, people are, you know, the waiting list, a product that the future product is not going to be as, it's not going to be equal, it's going to be a little bit inferior, and it's rented from day one. With all the expenses that with a high mortgage and, you know, and I can't remember what else was, maybe the property taxes shifted to, uh, onto the, uh, to the owner, the cash flow was not very high. It was maybe four or $500 a month after all the expenses. So not, not too exciting so far, but when you generate $400 a month as a cushion, plus, you know, the upside potential of, 1.2, 1.25, 1.3 million, that's kind of in a year and a half, that's getting a little bit more exciting, of course. We send out to, the, to our list of investors and very quickly, multiple investors reach out and, and show interest. Investors of clients of ours, one of them start moving forward and making an offer, it gets accepted. He starts the process of getting a you know, qualification for a loan and then he needs to drop out. Why? So here we go with hiccup number one, buyer number one, dropping out because a million dollar home in, in Birmingham, Alabama, um, require, if someone is coming with 20, 25, 30, even 30% down, they're gonna have a jumbo loan. 
a jumbo loan carries a higher interest rate and with a higher interest rate he is not going to be able to you know to hold that property um, with with a higher interest rate and in order to avoid the higher interest rate he needs to put a larger down payment something around uh, 400,000 ish in order to lower maybe 450 or around that number um, in order to lower the loan amount below the jumbo. So he wants to avoid the jumbo due to the higher rate. He cannot avoid the jumbo loan because of the requirement of a high, larger down payment. He doesn't have that, not enough. He cannot proceed. He drops out. While we already started marketing this deal to our list of investors, we have a waiting list. We have multiple investors that are actually interested, very interested in this deal. And we reach out to investor number two and we say, here is the opportunity. It's, it's available. They were very patient, uh, you know, waited for probably 10, 10 days to two weeks asking what's going on, asking all the time what's going on. It so happens, buyer number one drops out, buyer number two is about to step up and make an offer with the same terms, the same terms that have shifted a little bit I think at that point, the builder said they're not going to pay for the property taxes, which, which originally they said they would. And this buyer number two says, you know what, I'm okay with it. Let's proceed with us paying for property taxes. Cash flow is not that, not that great, but we still think it's a great deal for us. But they understand immediately that they need to put a larger down payment, 400000 or so, in order to be below the threshold of uh, the jumbo loan and they have no problem with it. It's a couple and they proceed with making the offer, getting the loan uh, approval for a loan, not the loan approved. And we proceed so far. So good. Everything moves forward, uh, um, you know, according to the plan. And we have one. Now we are at the end of November, you know, beginning of, of December. Um, by the time this is kind of kind of being you know you know kind of starting to move forward properly the builder says one thing you have to close by the end of the year you have to if it's not closing by the end of the year it's not worth for you know worthwhile for me yes no problem everybody's working we we push the lender we push the appraisal everything is moving forward you know as quickly as possible and then the appraisal comes up and they come back to us and say, not only that it doesn't appraise at the value, it is $10,000 below the contract price. Uh, so we are just a little below the contract price on the appraisal, which is even less than 1% deviation from the, uh, from the price. And it has to go for whatever reason, to what the lenders call a desk review. And once it goes into a desk review, we are just stepping onto uh, a whole ordeal of a, of, a, of a roller coaster ride. They find that the appraiser who did the report did a bad, poor job, and the entire report is not okay, and do, they do not approve it, and it goes to, and it's actually triggered as a fraudulent appraisal it's not because it's fraudulent it's because it's not done correctly or properly there's no fraudulent being done they are um it's going back and forth between the appraisal 
the appraisal management company, the lender. We provide additional documentation to support, to kind of dispute, in a way, the original appraisal report. Everybody knows that the original appraisal used incorrect characterization of similar houses. Just a poor, poor job being done by the appraisal on this house, and then a very poor job responding to it. Keep in mind, we are somewhere mid-December. Things are getting a little bit kind of tight now with the schedule and holidays, etc. People are already starting to be in the holiday mindset and you know slow responsiveness. And this deal all of a sudden kind of starts shifting out of control, out of the out of track. Not say out of control, off tracks. We get the buyer, myself, the agent, the pro, you know, the lender, probably on a daily basis communicating to make sure who needs what in order to accomplish what, by whom, etc. So there's a lot of time spent, many hours between all the parties that are kind of trying to make it happen to the point that we believe because we're still under desk review and still don't have answers and the original uh, appraisal is done such poorly, it kind of screws everything up to the point that we're almost sure this is not going to happen. You already know the end. I already told you. And we think that when we see that as we get to the Christmas time, the builder is saying no delays, no extension, you don't close, we are moving on. It's clear as that. They had enough, so to speak. We go back, we ask favors, we push, we do whatever we can. We see that the desk review situation that the, the, appraisal, the original appraisal report is going through is horrific. They're not responding. It's, the lender says, you know what, I'm going to order. I have no choice. Order a new appraisal with a, a appraisal report, with a new appraisal, with a new appraisal management company and we're gonna have to do it in order to make it happen we are mad at the lender the lender is disappointed for the appraisal company the agent is mad at, it, at everybody else the the buyer is disappointed we are certain that the um that the, the seller will not you know play along and the seller is kind of being quiet and not that responsive and they're kind of communicating, but not giving us straightforward answers. And then we just kind of cross our fingers and hope we'll be able to make it happen. Long story short, long story short, um, the seller did not say no to the transaction at any point. We, uh, the lender ordered an expedited appraisal and we received it rather quickly. The second appraisal, report came perfect. It came uh, $20,000 over the contract price. So that was a good sign. No hiccups, no problem. And from that point on, we just, you know, waited for the different timeline based on regulation that needs to be weighed in order to close and fund, which was done actually today. Couple of things that were, that worth knowing or understanding that came out of this situation. 
over multiples, you know, multiple times along the, you know, along the, the, the buying process that everybody was willing pretty much to give up and move on. It was mainly myself and the lender that were always pushing and trying to find a way to make everybody somewhat pleased or happy. How we were able to do that? From the beginning, when I have worked, started working with, you know, when the, our agent and the, lend, and the seller were communicating, I kept telling her, keep informing the seller what's going on. Let them know, even if the news are not good, keep them in the loop, keep them in the loop, ask for their opinion, make them part of what's going on. We don't want to surprise them because then they need more time to digest. Also, they, if we communicate well with them, they will appreciate it. So I kept, and she kept doing that. So all the time, without even having to do so, without even needing to do so, the agent kept letting the seller know what's going on and trying to navigate the situation and kind of please them. When we saw at one point that the seller is kind of trying to start saying that he doesn't want to close and move on to another another uh, another uh, um, uh, buyer, and they had multiple offers. We told them we started kind of hinting or seeing if they will work with us on some sort of compensation to them on the on the um, you know kind of like like a penalty for closing a little bit later. We ended up not paying the penalty. We ended up not needing it, but we wanted, we started hinting we will do that if it comes down to it. So one thing, two, two things that were working in our favor, really good communication from the get-go with the seller. Second, we kind of started seeing if we can solve this problem with the maybe a penalty or a late fee or something like that. Couple of good things that happened here. And that was, um, that for me, just mind-blowing that out of all this mess and challenge and holidays, our buyer, my client, along the way, we, mostly I was, able to squeeze more out of the deal, you know, in their favor. The first thing that happened when the first appraisal came back and was about $10,000 less of the contract price, I told the agent, I explained to our agent how she needs to talk to the, to the seller and see if we can work something out to compensate for the shortage. And we made an agreement with the seller that they will increase the rent by $425 per month. So right there, there is about a, you know, Six to eight thousand dollar bump increase in rent over the period of the, the projected holding from the seller to the to the uh, to our to our client. So that was nice to have, or very nice to have. Number one. Number two. When we got to closing just yesterday, the builder all of a sudden realized that they are liable contractually to property taxes. And they actually missed that they are liable on the property taxes 
and they thought in their mind that they will shift that burden onto our buyer because it was contractually set up and everybody was ready to to uh, uh, to close we were able to kind of smooth talk as much as it sounds strange and convince the builder to just let it go and that created a $6,800 benefit to our clients, to my clients. So $8,000 increase due to appraisal, a bad appraisal, which was ended up not being correct, and a $7,000 almost tax credit or tax benefit that was not supposed to be there to begin with. So this is a deal we haven't even closed. We barely got started. We already have some some uh, some uh, a good head start one thing that did happen kind of yesterday and today is that there was a $1,500 HOA initiation fee and from the from the uh, um, the contract it was not that clear who's supposed to pay the $1,500 the buyer or the builder it was maybe talked about somewhat verbally, but contractually it was ambiguous. It was not clear. We actually read carefully the, the section to see. When we realized that the buyer has some perks from the increase in rent and the tax credit of $6,800, I was able to call the buyer and say, you got to understand the bigger picture. The builder says, that's it. The, this last week, yesterday, the builder says, I am not paying the $1,500. I gave the, your, the buyer so many perks, including last minute $6,800 tax you know, credit, but that's it. At this point, if the buyer insists that I pay for it, we are walking away from this deal. We are not closing. We're moving on. Obviously, the buyer at first a bit insisted on, pay, on the builders paying it because that's what they remember in their mind that, that needs to be done. I stepped in. I had a conversation explaining the buyer what's going on and what's the benefit. I actually, it was a conversation we had, the agent and myself with the buyer. Obviously, the buyer was completely okay with it. And then he says, no problem. You know, we were able to lift or remove the resistance and he needed to... Uh, add $1,500. Actually, it didn't even have to add $1,500. It's going to be deducted from the first rent coming from the builder. So the first rent is going to be $1,500 less to um, to uh, um, to offset the HOA setup fee, and we are done. So there's a lot of things that happened along the way. The there was a lot. It was truly a roller coaster deal. We all got disappointed. We all got mad at one point. We all got tension. We spent between primarily the agent, the buyer, myself, um, the lender, many, many hours ironing the details, streamlining the problem, you know, lifting, you know, uh, lifting or removing uh, things that are preventing it from moving forward and some sort of finger crossed because we knew especially in the past 10 to 10 days to two weeks we knew at any point of time if something else kind of kind of comes up 
the builder may say, that's it. I'm moving on. That's it. I'm not interested in all this hard work, long hours, communication, miscommunication, etc., will be tossed away for free. And we didn't want that to happen. Mainly, I just didn't want to lose that deal. This is a really one in a decade kind of a deal. So I'm happy to say that the team effort and the perseverance and the good communication, the proper communication, respecting the seller, trying to understand what is kind of annoying the seller in order to address that, that all those efforts led us to the today, which is we closed, you know, we funded, everything is fine. We are, you know, my investors are now the ownership, the owner of this property. And now we just have to wait. And now we have to wait and see and, and, and hopefully things will sell and materialize as we anticipated with this deal. So hopefully in a year to a year and a half, I'll be able to do a follow-up episode on this deal and tell you what happened. Finger crossed. Let's wait. 12 to 18 more months. Thank you for listening. Have a terrific 2022. Hello, everyone. Danny Baitor is here, and thank you for joining me on another episode. Happy 2022, everyone, and I hope you are staying safe and healthy, and I wish you have a terrific 2022. This is an episode that I decided to open with, uh, with for 2022, and it's actually the story of a real estate transaction. This is the story of what happened from the day we learned about a really special deal in Birmingham, Alabama, all the way to closing, closing, purchase closing. I hope you will listen all the way to the end and even get to learn a little bit what helped make this deal happen. Thanks for listening and have a successful 2022.